Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Purple Stars podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and we have the creator of the Mindfully Me studio on the show today. She is a health coach, EFT practitioner, Qigong instructor, and she has helped so many people worldwide to become the best version of themselves. That's why I am very excited that she's going to share her insights and experience with us today. Please welcome Katie Nurse Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Hi, Katie. I actually want to share with the audience, this is day number four. I think we scheduled. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. It took us a while to get together, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, I, um, Katie and I were just in a waiting room. We talked that we we really were like making sure that today is happening. We set alarms, <laughs> we reminded ourselves because either one of us was sick or something happened or I got the time wrong last time. <laughs> Different time zones. It gets confusing, you know? Different time zones. <laughs> so that's why I'm extra happy to have you on the show today. I I read online on my research for the, for our interview, you said... After struggling for years with hormonal imbalances, infertility, anxiety, and extremely negative self-talk, and having no luck with modern medicine, I set out on a mission to find ways to heal myself naturally. Could you give us a little insight how you embarked on your both personal and professional journey of holistic healing? Absolutely. So I'm going to go into a little backstory. So you do kind of know my journey because I think that plays a big part in it. Um, so yes, I struggled with my hormones with infertility, but my hormones I struggled with from a very young age. When I was around 16 years old, I was put on hormonal birth control because my periods were super, super irregular. They would come for like a long period of time, then they go away. It was just kind of like, I never knew what was going to happen. So I went on birth control with the mindset and the um, the feeling that I thought birth control was going to heal me because I was going to a doctor. I thought they were doing what was best for me. So I was put on birth control, was on that for 10 years um, until I met my husband at that time, my boyfriend. And um, I wanted to get off it so we could start a family. And when I got off my birth control, my period just like never came back. And that's when I kind of like realized like, okay, I don't think birth control is really helping me. I think it was more like a Band-Aid. So I started out on this natural journey more so with like supplements. I tried different supplements. I read all these different blogs on like what to take if your period's gone. I was trying to do all of like the right eating. Um, I even started eating like specifically towards like the moon cycle, just like anything I can to kind of balance my hormones. Um and nothing seemed to work. I just never got my period back. And I remember we went, started going to a specialist so that we could actually, you know, start fertility medication and all of that. And that's when I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I'm sure a lot of people out there who are hearing this have also got diagnosed with that. It's kind of like a blanket, I think, um, statement they give to people just whenever you knock a few things off of symptoms, they'll just kind of give that as a, a blanket statement. So I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And at that time, when I was diagnosed, the doctor who was not, didn't have the best like bedside manners was like, you are with polycystic ovarian syndrome, you're going to have, you know, higher risk for diabetes, for, um, 
for heart disease. And then he was like, and for you to become pregnant on your own is going to be impossible. And I remember leaving that appointment, just feeling so defeated. And I was already a very like anxious person. And this just was kind of like the cherry on top. Now I was like looking through this lens of very negative thinking about my body. I immediately felt broken. I was very hate. I felt a lot of hatred towards my body. I felt very disconnected um, just because I was like, why me? Like I've done so much to take care of myself. I always ate right. And I just grew, grew this really big disconnect. And um, we went through the next couple of years. We did fertility medication where I'm very blessed. I did get my two daughters out of going through fertility treatment. Um, but it was after my second where I was really in this space where I was kind of like, I'm going to be raising these two daughters and I don't feel a lot of love towards myself. And I want my daughters to grow up where they're very confident. They feel a lot of love for themselves. They feel like they can accomplish and do anything. And I wasn't in that state of mind. And so even though I wanted to have a third baby, I was like, I need to work on me first. So that's when I started getting really into like, EFT tapping a little bit deeper. I already did EFT tapping, which I think we'll probably discuss a little further for people who don't know what that is. But I, I did it very just kind of um, basic, just on emotions and stuff. But I really do- dove deeper into my past and worked through a lot of blocks that I was holding. And I started to do gen- like energetic exercises and stuff to stimulate my meridian pathways, really open up any blocks that I had. And I felt immediately this just like shift within me. My mindset starting to get a little bit uh, more positive, uh, the way that I viewed my body, I felt much more connected at peace at home in my body and really believing that if I wanted another child naturally, like just because that doctor said it doesn't mean that it has to be true. And the more that I started to believe that I create my own reality, I can heal my body if I want to, and really started to believe it. That's when I became pregnant with my third naturally, just like my whole mindset and mentality just began to shift. And that was, uh, kind of my journey. And after I learned that, I was like, this is what I am here to do. I'm here to help others believe in themselves, whether it's growing a business, whether it's fixing their health, whether it is having a baby, whatever it is, really truly believing it and not just like saying the affirmations, but really feeling into that, the affirmations, really believing it to be true. So that's my journey. (laughs) I can relate with so much you just said. So I also took birth control for almost 10 years. When when I was 16, 17, it was very normal to be on birth control, even without having a boyfriend. It was just what the gynecologist would give you. And it was interesting for me at that time. I had no issues with my skin, no period pain, no uh, weight problems, not nothing. But they, it was still so standard to take it. And everyone around me would have it, would take it as well. And I think 10 years later, I got so many health issues. Mm. And I went into the hospital and there was this doctor, luckily, who said, are you on birth control? I said, yes. She said, I think all of this is coming from your birth control. Wow. So I stopped my birth control and my skin got really bad, mm-hmm. so bad in my like in my face, on my back, and my periods were irregular. And I went on a similar journey as you did with uh, all the meridians for Chinese medicine. It really helped me. Yin yoga really helped me to balance my hormones. But also EFT, because for me, since I've never experienced bad skin, 
I felt so uncomfortable, like so uncomfortable. And I remember walking down the street and when I had all these like skin patches and acne starting to be on my, on my face, I wanted to hide myself. And there were a few people smiling at me. And I thought, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to hide myself no matter what my skin looks like. So I wondered what part has EFT specifically played on your journey? And could you share for those who are new to tapping what it is? Yeah, I'll share first with what it is. Um, so EFT is called emotional freedom technique because that's specifically what it does. It frees you from heavy negative emotions um, and limiting beliefs. And what it is, is it's a combination of meridian tapping or acupressure tapping and also talk therapy. So we're, as we're talking, we are bringing awareness to our true feelings. We're not just like saying affirmations, kind of pushing and hiding things. We're actually saying how we truly feel. And as we say the things that we truly feel, we're bringing up emotions within our body. And they may feel a little uncomfortable and they make make us want to kind of curl away and hide. But as we're doing this, we are tapping. And as we are tapping on these acupressure points, they're actually sending a calming message to our amygdala. It's this part of our brain that turns off the fight or flight response. So when we say these things that usually would trigger this emotion within us, as we're tapping, we're actually letting our body know that this is safe. It's okay to talk about this. And we start to disassociate these big feelings and these old limiting beliefs, these even old stories with this intense feeling and emotion. And not only is that happening, we are tapping on meridian pathways. These are ending points, beginning points of meridian pathways. So we're clearing out those energy channels that have become blocked or stagnant, stagnant from heavy emotions, from not speaking your truth, from pushing everything down. So it's this really beautiful practice. It looks super silly. I always have to stress when you do, because you are tapping on yourself. But once you understand why, you're not just tapping on yourself, just like, you know, to, to, I don't know, make it look cool or whatever, but there is actually like reason behind it. Um, it, it just tr changed my world completely. So I used it um, a lot of it was to go back on stories from my past. So stories that have brought me guilt and shame. So anytime really when you're dealing with especially hormonal issues, uh, a lot of it can do with shame. And so I just went back to stories in my life and anybody can do this. I always advise a lot of my clients, like make a list from like your earliest memory of um, situations that happened where you can remember that you felt uncomfortable. Or maybe someone said something to you that made you feel just like bad about yourself. And as you tap, just telling that story, you don't have to get really specific. There don't have to be certain words that you have to say. Just literally telling the story will help you as you tap, will help to dis disassociate that intense emotion around that story and let that energy that you've been holding in because of that story free itself. Um, so that's a really powerful way just to tap and talk. And as different parts of that story that come up, that might be kind of triggering to you, just focusing on, well, what about that story felt really heavy to me? It was the way that that person said that. It was the way that they looked at me. Uh, it was the way that I felt during that time. So really talking again and bringing awareness and acceptance to how you felt and letting yourself know that it's okay to let it go. And it, I love the way you describe it. And for anyone who is new or also wants to dive more into EFT, you really got to check out Katie's Instagram because you share so many videos and reels and snippets where I think whether people are already in, like into EFT or just getting started, it's a great way to practice. And also you have your Mindfully Me Studio membership, 
but you're sharing a lot as well. Do you want to tap a little bit into that? <laughs> Yes, of course. Um, yeah, so in the studio, I wanted to have a place where I could connect with people because with tapping, it's really great. Um, I have a lot of videos even on YouTube where it's just more of a general um, tapping where we're releasing limiting beliefs and mindsets. But in the studio, we get together weekly. We go through right now we're working on stepping out of our comfort zone. So with something like that, you step out of your comfort zone. It's There's different aspects that are holding you back. It's never just like you're uncomfortable to step out of your comfort zone. You are because you're fearful of failure. You're scared of commitment. You're worried about what other people are going to think. So it's really harnessing in on all those different aspects. And then having a goal at the end of that month where we do these workshops where whatever you're trying to step out of, you actually can start to challenge yourself to do those things. So we actually make movement. And we're not just like, doing things here and there, staying committed to the practice, making big shifts and changes and having that support behind you. Um, but also in the studio, I mean, I do have the videos where people can practice on their own. I like to do tapping meditations at night where you can say more of the affirmations after you work through those blocks. And when you're in that really kind of like sleepy state where your subconscious mind is more susceptible to change, um, tapping through and saying those positive affirmations to create that change. And I do combine a lot of my practices with yin yoga, with qigong, so working on those paired meridian channels that are actually blocked that be can be causing some of this emotion and some of these limiting beliefs as well. I'm a huge fan how you combine body movement with EFT because um, and I guess you probably agree with that. There are not many practitioners out there who combine both. And I think it is one of the biggest gifts we can give to our clients and our community that we give them tools for both the body, the mind and the soul. Because with EFT, when all the emotions that we, that have been blocked for, for most of them for a long time, sometimes even over generations, when they start to move, like, where are they moving to if we don't move our body accordingly? And I see this also with a lot of journal journaling memberships, where they journal, 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 but then sometimes the body gets all sorts of physical symptoms because people don't move. This brings me actually to my next question. Uh, our bodies often reflect emotional and mental blocks all sorts of issues. You already, uh, you already mentioned in the beginning hormonal problems, but it could be something small like sore throat, headache, IBS, or something bigger going, you know, like cancer. Can you share your experiences and your thoughts on how our bodies are the mirrors of our inner world? Of course. Yes. I mean, even with like how you struggled with acne, I mean, that can be a thought process that you were scared to show your face. You were scared to put yourself out there, just kind of like your body's way of just hiding more or less. Um, so yeah, like back pain could be and shoulder pain that you're, um, struggling with supporting yourself with being able to carry something forward. Anything with our digestive system, a lot of times it's, we're scared with like letting go of something or moving something through us so we can get blockages that way. And in Chinese medicine, each organ or five main organs that we focus on are all associated with different emotions as well. So if you are feeling anger, that can be in the liver and you might have issues with liver, you know, you might even be prone to drinking more to soothe that liver issue. So just kind of being aware of like, what's going on that if your kidneys, that could be a lot of fear. Um, my, actually my middle child, um, after I had my son, 
developed a lot of fear. Um, I believe I did a lot of testing. I do muscle testing on her. That's a whole different story. But um, she had a lot of fear that I found in her body. And she was actually getting a lot of urinary bladder infections, which are associated with the kidneys and the urinary bladder. So we had to release that emotion in order for those bladder bladder infections to stop. So it's really kind of getting in tune with your body. Like now that I realize like how my, um, with all of my hormonal issues and all those things going on as well, like that's a lot of times associated with fear as well. And I was carrying a lot of fear of getting pregnant and fear of like, what's going to happen with my life if I can't have children and letting that go I really cleared the the energy and the pathway for me to have, be actually to be able to conceive on my own. Isn't it such a great gift you give to your kids that you're like, oh, I do the kinesiology muscle test to check what what is what to your body. I just it's 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 so great, and I always say one of the biggest gifts my parents have given me that I grew up with all these tools. It was just so yes. normal, you know, like our first thing was not to take painkillers. It was, okay, what is the emotion that is blocked in our body? As a kid, sometimes it did make me a little frustrated because I'm like, can we not just talk about the weather and not always about like, <laughs> what is other, what are other people mirroring us and what is our body story? <laughs> but it's, it's, such a, it's such a great way. And do your kids already tap and meditate and how do you involve them in your holistic journey? Yes. Yeah, so they're much more into like the movement. So yin yoga, qigong, they'll practice that some with me. It is difficult with young children, I would say with tapping. As far as tapping, what we do is we usually will do affirmation tapping. So at night, we'll just tap and be like, I'm confident, I'm strong, I'm smart, just kind of going through things that way. Because from them being so young, it's hard to really have them verbalize exactly what they're feeling. They're seven, five, and two. So like my um, middle child, she's the one I, she's my tricky child. But like, if she wakes up and she has a bad dream or she's just feeling angry, I'll just say, I'll just tap on each point and let her feel like she doesn't even have to talk. Just feel, where are you feeling this anger? Just, I mean, I'll just let her even breathe and we'll just tap through them that way. So not actually going through like the setup statement with on EFT tapping, you tap on the side of the hand and you kind of create these, um, statements that lead into all the tapping points, but we'll just go straight into the tapping, let her feel into her anger or let her think about that scary nightmare that she had and tapping through each point that way, um, I find to be extremely helpful. But at this point, they're really into like, my, even my two-year-old, he does yoga with me all the time. They love to stretch and letting them actually physically move those emotions has been really helpful. Can I ask why your middle one is the tricky one? I don't know. I, 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 I've been doing a lot of work with her I'm from all the other moms. I know this middle child te seems to always just kind of be, but I think, um, with her, she was, whenever she was my, oh, my youngest child, I was very like, I carried her everywhere. Like she was my baby. And then I had my son. So I think a lot of that had to weigh heavy on her. And like I said, that had to do a lot with like the fear that she, I think after I had my son, I, muscle test, I found that that fear came right when he was here. So I think a lot of it has to do with just no longer being like the baby. I still try to nurture her and love her the way, you know, I should. But um, I think it's just like losing that space has been really tricky for her. And she just is one to really feel her emotions fully. Like if she's angry, we know it. When she's happy, we know it. She just really truly expresses them, which I don't want to downplay or make her stop. So we just have to find ways to manage them when they get 
really extreme, really intense, just kind of bringing them down a bit so that they don't make her get into that state where she's just like overconsumed by them. So that's been a process that we've been kind of going through. How do you help your daughter to hold space for her emotions and at the same time regulate them a little bit for her? Yeah. So like when she's feeling angry, I, you know, just giving her permission to like feel that anger and not being like, okay, you're not allowed, no crying right now. No doing this right now. I let her have her space, her time. You know, if it's disrupting the other kids, we'll go into her room. Um, but just letting her feel it. And then whenever I can see that she's in distress, that's when I step in. Cause I do want her body to be able to regulate her emotions on their own. I don't want to have to be the one that's always coming in and being like, let mommy tap on you. Let's do this. I want her to feel and like her body to know, like, if I feel this, I can feel it. And then I can let it go. Because I think that's a lot of the problem as children. We were, you know, if you were doing something, those say, stop doing this, like no feeling that, you know, you were just so, and even as adults, you feel this way. And then you're like, I shouldn't feel this way. I need to suppress it. So allowing her to feel it in a tolerable way, you know, not being out absurd with it, but allowing her to feel it, express it. And if she needs my help, if I see she's in distress, then I come in and can help her with the tools that I have. It's so interesting. You're saying how you hold space and know when to step in, but yet give her the feeling that she can regulate it on her own and her body as well. Because that's a dynamic I think we all have, whether it's with kids, with friends, with the partner, with the parents, the brothers, where we often want to fix things for others, where we want to help them and where we, um, and I see this with a lot of people when they're like, man, I see my friend with this, in this abusive relationship, why is she still in there? Or why, why is this person going this career path? Like something else will be way more suitable or, oh, my mom, she's working so hard. She doesn't rest enough. And where, while a lot of us do it out of love, I think sometimes the biggest act of love is taking a step back. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. Yes. And that's so true. Even like with clients, like I think so we're in this day and age where so many people want that bandaid effect. They want like the quick fix. But if you want to, like healing isn't easy. It's not a quick, you know, you know, with, you know, battling with your skin and stuff, like it didn't happen overnight. It takes months to years to actually heal. So it's having the passion and the desire behind it to actually want to do it. And if you take that away from someone by giving them that quick fix, they lose that ability and that passion and that empowerment within themselves. Because once you actually like when she can regulate her, her emotions and she comes out of it, feels happy. Like she feels good that she could do that. And you don't want to take that away from someone. So it's giving them that power back. And also if we, on the one hand, when we step in, it's not just that we take away the power or the opportunity for them to learn it. Even if we fix it in that moment, the issue will occur in a different situation and it will come as long as they can do it themselves. Because I'm always explaining to, to people I love or also my clients, yes, you, the goal is not that this person is leaving the narcissist or is, you know, like leaving that job. The goal is to understand the root. Why are they with the narcissist? Why do they have this 
job? Why are they treating their body the way they're treating it? Because otherwise they get out of this relationship with narcissist A and the next uh, relationship will be with narcissist B. So I think life <laughs> is wrapping our lessons in different <laughs> gift wraps in different colors until we really get it. <laughs> yes, it's breaking the pattern, breaking the habit. And it takes work to break that pattern, especially when they've been chiseled and instilled in your mind for years and years. So it's, yeah, I, I love that you do that because it is, it's all about helping them break the pattern. So when they step forward, they can do, make the right choice on their own and they can feel, you know, empowered to make the right choice on their own. Well, uh, we use talked earlier about the Mindfully Me studio and how to step outside the comfort zone. And you also mentioned fear of commitment, you know, fear of failure. Can we talk about fear of success? Because I think oh, yeah. a lot of people talk about fear of failure and all, all these things and procrastination and so on, but not that many talk about fear of success. And I think people there are a lot of people who are scared of success. They are scared of love. They're scared of joy. And I think Brene Brown actually once said, the most difficult emotion is joy. Mm -hmm. So I would love to talk about that. Yes, absolutely. So I do talk a lot about manifestation. And because I, with my son, it was something that I practiced in order to get pregnant with him. And I think what happens with manifestation is a lot of people will just go right into it, like saying what they want, you know, they'll write it down, they'll do all these different, you know, there's so many different ways to manifest things into their lives. But I think what we don't realize is a lot of times we're calling, trying to call these things in, but we have so many blocks up from receiving them. And so that might be that you want a baby or you want to get this promotion, but there might be blocks that are holding this back. And that fear of maybe, you know, if you want to say you want to get this promotion at work and you keep on thinking about it, you're manifesting it. But then if you step back and you think, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, if I get this promotion, there's going to be more expected of me. It might take up more of my time. Am I even qualified for this promotion? So you start to kind of unravel all of these blocks that are stopping you from receiving this thing that you want. I can even say this when I was trying to grow my Instagram. I really was like, I wanted to grow it to, uh, you know, 100,000 followers. And I was thinking about it all the time. And then I stopped and I was like, well, what is this fear that I'm holding in succeeding to this level? Well, I'm fearful that if I put myself out there, I'm going to get more mean comments. Um, I, maybe I don't feel as qualified as I should to be able to speak about this stuff. Um, just running out of ideas and like people's expectations of me just kind of feeling down. So it's just kind of stepping back and realizing what's the worst thing can happen if I have the success and knocking down those blocks that are stopping you from receiving them. It's, and I would say that's the, probably the number one thing why people struggle with manifesting or reaching their goals, however you want to call it, is because they visualize being that big speaker, having that starter, being, you know, getting pregnant and all like losing weight that's what they visualize but they don't talk to the parts of them that are still fighting this and that's really where the biggest key comes in and for me manifesting is like get becoming getting a baby it's just a reward of the journey the journey itself is really like tapping into 
the blocks and equipping ourselves with great tools to move the body, to eat healthily, to treat ourselves the way we need to be treated and also to build up the strength. Because often, I think pregnancy is a great example. It also requires a certain diet. It requires a certain movement. It requires a certain lifestyle. So it's it's just always asking, okay, what do I need to let go of my backpack in order to climb that mountain and to get that view that I really want? Absolutely. And I always tell people to even like saying an affirmation and then seeing how that feels in your body. Cause they're like people on, you know, all these different social medias, especially like with wealth and saying like, money comes to me easily. And you keep either like, say that affirmation and money will start coming. We'll say it. How does that feel in your body? Do you, yeah. does that feel true to you? Or does it feel like you're just saying, because affirmations are powerful, but you have to believe the affirmation in the back of your mind, your subconscious mind is going to, you know, start to navigate that road and it's going to give off the, the opposite vibration. So you have to knock down all of those limiting beliefs around money before you can actually say that affirmation and for, for it to feel true. When you start to say it and you're like, absolutely, absolutely money comes to me easily. Then you know, okay, those blocks are down. It's time to to move on. And those blocks are going to come up here and there. You're going to have to work through them always. But yeah, it's always just kind of being aware of how things feel in the body and it's getting in tune with your body, which it takes time. Before we talk about tuning in with your body, because I think it's such a great topic to talk about as well. Could we continue talking a little bit more about your journey on growing your community on Instagram? And I think numbers is such a I think it doesn't really matter if it's a hundred thousand, ten thousand, or a million. Whatever you would have set yourself as a goal, you probably would have still felt the same emotions. Could you talk us through that? And also, what has helped you on that journey? And how was the evolving part of your fears? Like, was it something in the beginning and changed to something else in the middle? And how how did that go? Yeah. So for me, I actually, I struggled with a lot of not feeling worthy. So like, even though I wanted the numbers, there was this part of me that was like, but you're not worthy enough to have these people be with you. You're not good enough for all these people to look at you. And I think a lot of mine fell from looking in my past and I struggled a lot in school and I was not always the A plus student. I had a hard time, you know, succeeding on tests. It just wasn't like my realm. And I think I carried that weight with me as I'm educating people in something that I'm passionate about. I had to realize that like maybe in school, I didn't do well in math and economics and all those things because that's not what I was supposed to do. And that's not where my passion lies. But this is something I'm passionate about. I'm being authentic with myself. And I am aligned with what I'm supposed to do. So I think that's really important. Like we'll put out, a lot of people do put out stuff just to get views and likes, but it's when you are putting stuff out that you feel truly aligned to, that you feel like called to do, that's when you start to see the growth because you're saying things that like, you've experienced that you have went through, you build that connection. And that's so much more after I hit that, uh, like, you know, a hundred thousand followers, I, understood that that's not what I truly wanted. I wanted to build a community and have connection. So that was more when I opened my studio, I was like, that's more, more where I need to be. I want to have like people to talk to people that have been on similar roads than me that we can work through things together. And that's whenever like, 
everything started to kind of make more sense. I'm like, this is more what I'm aligned to do. And that's, I think, part of it. You kind of have to dip your toes in different areas and figure out what feels good to you. And then all the pieces will start to fall into place. It's, it's great how you say that the real goal or the real longing was connection. And it's, you know, connecting with our worth and connecting with the sense of belonging and connecting with the sense of what we are sharing matters mm-hmm. and also connecting with us within a safe space. So I love that you created your Mindfully Mindfully Me Studio because it is a safe space where people can share their struggles and also their wins. So it's it's really, really, really great. And I wonder... Did you have any big turning points on your journey where you first felt stuck for a while, whether it was in numbers, whether it was in the content, in confidence, creativity, or was it always like a very straight line where you knew, okay, these are the elements I want to bring in. That's what I stand for. Because I see this with a lot of creators, especially the ones that have multiple talents. They want to put this one label on it. And I think it's a great way to put in the bio. I'm this one thing. I'm that one thing. And people who are multifaceted often struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Actually, although it is a blessing, (laughs) but they sometimes see it as a curse. Do you relate with that? Absolutely. I am someone that is passionate about many, many things. So it has been difficult. And it is like, if you do want to grow like a following on social media, it is important that you kind of have like a niche that you kind of tackle down to. And that was a very big struggle with me because I, you know, I'm passionate yeah, about a lot of things. I, I talked about infertility, but then I talk about money. And then I talk about growing a business and being a mom. It, it can feel very like all over the place. But then there's a lot of people that actually can relate to all those various things. And yeah, I think it's trying to not like put yourself so much in a box and letting yourself, I think the moment that I tried to figure out like, I have to be this one way, I can only speak about this one thing that I felt very suffocated. And I felt like creatively, like I didn't feel very inspired to put stuff out there because I'm like, I can only talk about this thing. And if I talk about something else, like it's going to, you know, knock me off my tracks. So I I just really... Every week, I just kind of feel into whatever I feel inspired to talk about. I think having a podcast is helpful in that manner because you can just kind of like let your thoughts flow off your tongue and not putting up those barriers. I mean, if you're talking about like, I would say maybe like beauty one day and then like, you know, meditation the next, maybe it might be a little bit all over the board. But in this realm of self-development, like it takes like eating healthy. It talk, it takes like working on your mindset. It t- takes moving your body. It takes all those different things. So being able to share that whole realm, I think is perfectly fine. And then being able to explore all those different parts of you and sharing it with people who care to whoever, whoever's out there that wants to see it will find you. And those are your people. So what really helped me, and it's something similar what you said when starting this podcast, because I also thought, man, like, should we only talk about this or that or this? Or... And then I thought, you know what? If all my guests were my friends, we would also talk about our hormones, our kids, our pets, you know, our success, our fears. We wouldn't just be like, oh, you're this one friend. We can only talk about hormonal issues. Like, yeah. You're my money friend. Like, yeah. So, and in the end, what 
both you and I, and also other people in our sector are doing is helping people to feel great. Yes. Bottom line. That's it. They are just letting you become the best version of you. Like however that, whatever that takes. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, like EFT, you, right now you're very focused on EFT and health coaching and Qigong. Who knows what you experience in 10 years and you might, you know, like run into another method where you're like, wow, this is amazing. I want to add this. So I think it's very important to have the mindset of we can never be too much of ourselves because I do think it's a fear of being too much when we are so multifaceted to share all of that. But I think people follow us, people spend time with us because they love the fullness. Yes, absolutely. And I love that explanation. I mean, not holding parts of you back. Mm-hmm. And like like, I, like you said, like talking to friends, yes, there's so many different avenues you go back, go down and afterwards, you always feel so much lighter and just like much more centered. And, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to be able to talk about it all. I mean, that's just how it is. What's your daily routine? I, I'm pretty sure you have your some of your routines. What helps you from the morning till night? And it's amazing to ask you because you have three kids and a business partner. How does all of that work? So it's funny. So like I created what is called, I call them free flows, which is the blend of EFT tapping with meridian stretching. I created that out of limited time (laughs) with having three kids because I wanted to do my EFT tapping, but I also like needed to move after. And I was like, and I can't do like a 45 minute, like yin yoga class. And I can't do like a 30 minute tapping session. So I started just kind of combining them together out of necessity to get them done because they made me feel good, but I don't have the time to do so. So usually at night, that's when I do most of my stuff because I can put my kids to bed. I don't have to be like, in the morning I wake up and I'm always like, I can't meditate right or do anything because I'm worried that someone's going to call my name and it's going to startle me. So I get them to bed. That's usually when I'll do, you know, my tapping and my yin yoga. And then I'll do my tapping affirmation when I am drifting off to sleep. That's basically my, so together it's probably like a half hour, 45 minute full routine um, of just taking time to myself to really like align my thoughts, work through any limiting beliefs that I have during that time. If I don't have any, then just work really working on like chiseling in the new mindset that I want to have and always moving my body. If I have time in the morning, it's usually again, doing some sort of yin yoga, qigong just to get my body moving. If I don't have time to move in the morning, if I don't have that like little, like someone wakes me up, I'll usually do at least some shaking. I'll do some just like tapping on different like acupressure points, um, just like a little bit of breath. And then that will just at least get me energized and like centered to start the day. I was about to say my go-to in the morning is as well if I'm, I don't have kids, but I still have my things, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But if I don't... I have a lot of early meetings if I work with people in Europe. So if their first meeting is at 6 a.m., I'm not getting up at 5 to, you know, like to one hour of everything, but I still want to feel energized. So my go-to is shaking. I love the shaking and it's so great. And maybe for the people in the audience, polar bears do this naturally and it looks very funny and weird as well, but they do it to stress release. And also it helps to energize again. So... I love, I love the shaking and then I do all the meridian, um, (laughs) (laughs) I know why my husband met me initially. He's like, what are you doing? (laughs) 
Is that what I signed up for? <laughs> I have a question. Is your is your husband into all that stuff now, or does he kind of do his own thing and just kind of? So, so he he was he was spiritual, and he did believe in body mind soul connection, and that our body is reflecting everything. He has been very healthy uh, for. All his tools is way more like gut health and okay. uh, supplements and movement. Uh, but through me, like he's not, I'm always like, do you want acupuncture? Do you want me to do cupping? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, now we do like a little bit of breathing together, but I give him the space so he can do his way because for him, it's a lot surfing and spending time in nature. And I think everyone has their own way of reconnecting with themselves. But shaking, I think, is such a great thing to do. And I, I so love it. And I think tapping is really great. And it's great what you also mentioned about tuning into the mindset that we want to have. Because I remember when I was journaling for 2024, I'm like, okay, I want this year to be very different to any year, which means it requires a different mindset or an improved mindset, improved uh, improved habits, routines. It also requires me probably to listen to different podcasts in addition and read different books. So every week I'm trying now to do something new and to really spend even more time on my mindset. And it's so interesting. I think as coaches, we already spend a lot of time with the mindset, but um, I don't know if you can relate with this, but sometimes I'm like, man, I could spend with like even more time on improving my mindset. And that's where I'm currently at. I'm like, okay, I want to like do even more. And it's so great how, how it helps. And for me, the block that I'm currently working on is fear of success. Because hmm. since I've really spend extra time on my mindset and on my routines I feel everything so quickly falling into place like so quick and I'm like man I can't control all of this anymore it's all flowing <laughs> and then I'm like ah fear of success is heading I like knocking yeah. on the door and that's this little part of me which because at school, I was, um, you know, I was a competitive golf player, but I was also an A student. And people would always, you know, talk down to me and like made me more the underdog. And they're like, oh, she plays golf. This is so uncool. And why does she get an A? And I noticed, oh, like being at the top of something, a part of me and my inner child associates with separation and not belonging. And being bullied so it's very interesting how this entire journey is going um, taking me for another layer of fear or freedom depending how you see it <laughs> <laughs> and that's amazing and like that's the skills that you have developed from all your practices like normally someone wouldn't be like okay what's causing this fear of success or they wouldn't even know it was fear of success that was blocking them and be able to like backtrack and be like okay this is the reason these are the things I need to work on I mean that is like so truly amazing and such a gift to be able to figure out where all these blocks have came from in your life and what you can do to actually make a difference within yourself. Because it's not just working on the mindset, but it's really releasing all those heavy things that you've been carrying with you. So that's amazing that you could track back. But it's so interesting when having worked so much on the releasing and suddenly you're free, you're like, man, yeah. Thing to carry. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It feels weird. 
Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> so happy to hear you can relate with that. Um, Katie, I would also, um, as you know, like it's the Purple Stars podcast. We also talk a lot about pets. Do you currently yes. have a pet at home? We don't. Our dog actually passed away two years ago, and my oh. daughter is my daughter is uh, on the mission to get another one. So <laughs> maybe one soon. <laughs> Do you, um, are you planning to adopt or? For our first dog that I had, I actually brought him home without my husband's approval. And that was before I had kids. <laughs> so I keep telling my daughter, I'm like, you just have to keep working on daddy. You have to keep working on daddy. Uh, so whenever we get to that point, then we'll start to kind of cross that bridge. She wants a bunny. I'm like more of a dog person. So <laughs> I don't really have much experience with bunnies. So <laughs> that is so funny. I love how you're like, oh, you got to work on daddy for him to say yes to, to getting to getting a dog. Uh, do you have experience with surrogate tapping for pets? Because I absolutely love, 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 love that. How we can use all the tools we just talked about also for our pets, on our pets. And tapping is one, one of the tools I would love to talk about. Yes. So I wish I would have. So my dog was actually very full of anxiety. He had a lot of like just fear inside of him. And I wish I would have known more about surrogate tapping when I had him. And that wasn't something I kind of really started to study until later on. But yes, you can absolutely tap on your dog. And that doesn't mean actually like going up and physically tapping on your dog, but visualizing them either on your face or just visualizing them and tapping on yourself. And uh, I actually did this with my children before when they were younger and I couldn't actually physically tap on them. But if you visualize your your pet and where your energy goes or where your thoughts go energy flows so just thinking about tapping on those points on your dog as you close your eyes will bring that energy to the tapping points on them and then just whatever your dog is going through a lot of dogs deal with a lot of anxiety i've noticed so just just even saying something like letting go of this anxiety I'm free from this anxiety, doing more of like the positive affirmations across them, but just visualizing tapping on those points will free them from a lot of that blocked, stuck, stagnant energy. And like I said, I wish I would have thought more about this when I had my dog because we had him on anxiety medicine that caused his stomach to be a wreck. Um, I tried all these different things to kind of help him cope with his anxiety and nothing seemed to work. And I would have been very curious as far as uh, how tapping would have worked with him. What got you into the topic of surrogate tapping for pets afterwards? Well, actually, I started learning more about it after I tried surrogate tapping with my children. And then I dove, dove deeper and it was like, you could do it on your pet. Um, looking back, I'm also sometimes, man, I wish I would have already known this for this pet or that person. But I also am a big believer. We always have the right set, set of tools for the right moment for that person or that pet, even if right now we know more and we think man this tool could have really saved someone's life or really could have changed the trajectory and with surrogate tapping so i have a quite a good amount of um a good amount of experience with it and it's amazing how much it changes not just the life of the pets but the people so with my coaching how i actually got into it so with all my human human 
um, clients may be easier to say <laughs> the human clients, you know, like, uh, when they, when I had the sessions at their home and I saw their pets and I started to notice how they often have similar symptoms, whether it's emotionally like anxiety and stress or anger or physically like IBS and like back pain and it, all sorts of things. I was like, Hmm, that can't be a coincidence. There must be some somehow a certain mirror principle going on between humans and animals. So I started to research on that and also, you know, the um, energetic field. And I knew it was how it was happening with humans, but I wasn't aware back then that it was also between animals and humans. And then I researched a lot in on the meridians and then like traditional Chinese medicine and the energy paths and their chakras. And then I figured out, okay, there's surrogate tapping because I knew it was possible for kids, especially for babies where you can't do it because they're too young or because they're right now not here or, you know, at the hospital. And it's amazing the things that pets sometimes carry for us. And it is, and I'm like, wow, it's really so... Uh, one one story, I had this client and she has had four dogs at that point. And three of them, the first three died very young of a heart disease. And when I was coaching her, she already had cancer herself and her new dog started to get all sorts of symptoms as well. And it turned out that her, um, her mom died when she was very young. And she has never really processed fully her heartache and her grief. So her pets took on a lot of her grief and her heartache. And we're really always pointing out, hey, please, like, take a look at that. And what's also interesting that all of them died young. When she was young and her mom was young as well. And I thought, wow, like... It was so mind blowing for me and it's beautiful. Like when we are mindful of what our pets can teach us and sometimes also because of the close bond, what they are caring for us, we can heal and let go, not just for them, but for ourselves and the entire family system. And I find that so fascinating. Unfortunately, at this point, we had some technical issues and I'm recording this after we ended our conversation. So if you're wondering why suddenly we ended the episode and the interview, that's the reason for it. I'm so sorry that you are missing out on 10 minutes, but I can promise you, you got the best part of the conversation. It's a wrap for today, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved the episode, please share it with your family and friends. Don't forget to tag Katie and us to keep the conversation going. And we're excited to have you back next Wednesday.